Chapter Nine of Cotto. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nadine Cardboulet. Cotto being Japanese curios with sundry cobwebs by Nafkadio Hearn. Chapter Nine, the story of Chuguro. A long time ago, there lived in the Koishikawa quarter of Yedo, a Batamoto named Suzuki whose yashiki was situated on the bank of the Yedogawa, not far from the bridge called Nakanuhashi. And among the retainers of the Suzuki, there was an Esbigaru. Note, the Esbigaru were the lowest class of retainers in military service. End of note. Named Chugoro. Chugoro was a handsome lad, very amiable and clever, and much liked by his comrades. For several years Chugoro remained in the service of Suzuki, conducting himself so well that no fault was found with him. But at last the other Asbigaru discovered that Chugoro was in the habit of leaving the Ashiki every night by way of the garden and staying out until a little before dawn. At first they said nothing to him about this strange behavior, for his absences did not interfere with any regular duty and were supposed to be caused by some love affair. But after a time he began to look pale and weak, and his comrades, suspecting some serious folly decided to interfere therefore one evening just as he was about to steal away from the house an elderly retainer called him aside and said chugoro my lad we know that you go out every night and stay away until early morning and we have observed that you are looking unwell we fear that you are keeping bad company and injuring your health and unless you can give a good reason for your conduct we shall think that it is our duty to report this matter to the chief officer. In any case, since we are your comrades and friends, it is but right that we should know why you go out at night, contrary to the custom of this house. Chugoro appeared to be very much embarrassed and alarmed by these words. But after a short silence he passed into the garden, followed by his comrade. When the two found themselves well out of hearing of the rest, Chugoro stopped and said, I will now tell you everything, but I must entreat you to keep my secret. If you repeat what I tell you, some great misfortune may befall me. It was in the early part of last spring, about five months ago, that I first began to go out at night on account of a love affair. One evening, when I was returning to the Yashiki, after a visit to my parents, I saw a woman standing by the riverside, not far from the main gateway. She was dressed like a person of high rank, and I thought it strange that a woman so finely dressed should be standing there alone at such an hour. But I did not think that I had any right to question her, and I was about to pass her by, without speaking, when she stepped forward and pulled me by the sleeve. Then I saw that she was very young and handsome. "'Will you not walk with me as far as the bridge?' she said. "'I have something to tell you.' Her voice was very soft and pleasant, and she smiled as she spoke and her smile was hard to resist. So I walked with her toward the bridge, and on the way she told me that she had often seen me going in and out of the Yashiki, and had taken a fancy to me. "'I wish to have you for my husband,' she said. "'If you can like me, we shall be able to make each other very happy.' I did not know how to answer her, but I thought her very charming. As we neared the bridge, she pulled my sleeve again, and led me down the bank to the very edge of the river." "'Come in with me,' she whispered, and pulled me toward the water. "'It is deep there, as you know, 
and I became all at once afraid of her, and tried to turn back. She smiled, and caught me by the wrist, and said, "'Oh, you must never be afraid with me.' And, somehow, at the touch of her hand, I became more helpless than a child. I felt like a person in a dream who tries to run, and cannot move hand or foot. Into the deep water she stepped, and drew me with her, and I neither saw nor heard nor felt anything more, until I found myself walking beside her through what seemed to be a great palace, full of light. I was neither wet nor cold. Everything around me was dry and warm and beautiful. I could not understand where I was, nor how I had come there. The woman led me by the hand. We passed through room after room, through ever so many rooms, all empty but very fine, until we entered into a guest-room of a thousand mats. Before a great alcove, at the farther end, lights were burning, and cushions laid as for a feast, but I saw no guests. She led me to the place of honor, by the alcove, and seated herself in front of me, and said, This is my home. Do you think that you could be happy with me here? As she asked the question, she smiled, and I thought that her smile was more beautiful than anything else in the world, and out of my heart I answered, Yes. In the same moment I remembered the story of Urashima, and I imagined that she might be the daughter of a god, but I feared to ask her any questions. Presently maid-servants came in, bearing rice-wine and many dishes, which they set before us. Then she who sat before me said, "'To-night shall be our bridal night, because you like me, and this is our wedding-feast.' We pledged ourselves to each other for the time of seven existences." and after the banquet we were conducted to a bridal chamber which had been prepared for us. It was yet early in the morning when she awoke me, and said, My dear one, you are now indeed my husband, but for reasons which I cannot tell you, and which you must not ask, it is necessary that our marriage remain secret. To keep you here until daybreak would cost both of us our lives. Therefore do not, I beg of you, feel displeased because i must now send you back to the house of your lord you can come to me to-night again and every night hereafter at the same hour that we first met wait always for me by the bridge and you will not have to wait long but remember above all things that our marriage must be a secret and that if you talk about it we shall probably be separated forever i promise to obey her in all things remembering the fate of urashima and she conducted me through many rooms, all empty and beautiful, to the entrance. There she again took me by the wrist, and everything suddenly became dark, and I knew nothing more until I found myself standing alone on the river bank, close to the Nakanohashi. When I got back to the Yashiki, the temple bells had not yet begun to ring. In the evening I went again to the bridge, at the hour she had named, and I found her waiting for me. She took me with her, as before, into the deep water, and into the wonderful place where we had passed our bridal night. And every night, since then, I have met and parted from her in the same way. To-night she will certainly be waiting for me, and I would rather die than disappoint her. Therefore I must go. But let me again entreat you, my friend, never to speak to any one about what I have told you. The elder Aspigaru was surprised and alarmed by this story. He felt that Chukoro had told him the truth, and the truth suggested unpleasant possibilities. Probably the whole experience was an illusion, 
and an illusion produced by some evil power for a malevolent end. Nevertheless, if really bewitched, the lad was rather to be pitied than blamed, and any forcible interference would be likely to result in mischief. So the Asbigaru answered kindly, I shall never speak of what you have told me, never, at least, while you remain alive and well. Go and meet the woman, but beware of her. I fear that you are being deceived by some wicked spirit. Chugoro only smiled at the old man's warning and hastened away. Several hours later he re-entered the yashiki with a strangely dejected look. Did you meet her? whispered his comrade. No, replied Chugoro. She was not there. For the first time she was not there. I think that she will never meet me again. I did wrong to tell you. I was very foolish to break my promise. The other vainly tried to console him. Chugoro lay down and spoke no word more. He was trembling from head to foot, as if he had caught a chill. When the temple bells announced the hour of dawn, Chugoro tried to get up and fell back senseless. He was evidently sick, deathly sick. A Chinese physician was summoned. "'Why, the man has no blood!' exclaimed the doctor after a careful examination. "'There is nothing but water in his veins. It will be very difficult to save him. What maleficence is this?' Everything was done that could be done to save Chugoro's life, but in vain. He died as the sun went down. Then his comrade related the whole story. "'Ah! I might have suspected as much!' exclaimed the doctor. No power could have saved him. He was not the first whom she destroyed. Who is she, or what is she? the Asbigaru asked. A foxwoman? No, she has been hunting this river from ancient time. She loves the blood of the young. A serpent woman? A dragon woman? No, no, if you were to see her under that bridge by daylight, she would appear to you a very loathsome creature. But what kind of a creature? Simply a frog, a great and ugly frog. End of chapter 9